One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Make It Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 220. Today's show is a little bit different from the topics that we usually cover on the show, although the topic has come up in small ways and large ways for as long as I've been making this podcast. Today, we're talking about how to pick yourself up when life gets in the way. And my guest today is Michelle Simons. So in a case of cosmic timing, While this episode was recorded a month or two ago, this episode comes out less than a week after we had to say goodbye to my sweet wolfy dog, Puff. You have heard her in the background of many past episodes. She is an absolute icon. I miss her terribly already, and I'm sure I'll have more to say on this in the future. It's still pretty fresh, and I'm very deep currently in the experience of life throwing a wrench in things and life getting in the way. The truth is that not every day is going to be awesome. Some days may find you in a pretty low place. Maybe health issues come up. Maybe a friend or family member is going through a tough time. Maybe some other hard life stuff is happening. Or maybe you're just experienced what many of us come to from time to time, burnout. But despite our circumstances, so much of the time, things still do need to get done. So if any of this resonates, my guest today knows exactly how you feel. In fact, picking yourself up and moving forward after a challenging life event is something that she has given a lot of thought to. Michelle Simons is a brand strategist and copywriter for small businesses and entrepreneurs. She loves to help business owners pinpoint their brands beyond profit purpose, talk about it in their message and live it out. And though Michelle is an amazing copywriter and is so good at what she does, we actually had her on the show to talk about a very different topic how to run a business when life gets in the way. Michelle has a chronic illness and as a result has done a lot of mindset work and strategizing around how to keep her business moving during and after the harder times. You can't plan for everything life throws at you as I've experienced this week, but I was so inspired by everything Michelle shared about toxic positivity, comparisonitis, and ways to be gentle with yourself. In this episode, we discussed how life has gotten in the way for Michelle, some of the strategies that have worked best for her in running her business through this, toxic positivity and how it's relevant, why it's important to understand your own limits, practices for setting yourself up for success on a daily basis, and more. Here is my interview with Michelle. Michelle, welcome to Making Good. Hi, it's great to be here. I'm thrilled to have you here. And as I was just saying, right before we hit record... I often start out these guest interviews with saying like, I'm so excited to talk about this topic, but I really especially am today because it's something like, you know, it's not strictly marketing related, although both of us are marketers, but it's something that I think universally every single person listening to this episode can relate to, which is 
the fact that sometimes life gets in the way of our plans, especially when it comes to business. So we're going to dig into that and strategies and just like a little bit about your experience. And I think it's such an important conversation. So thank you for being here and for being willing to have that conversation with me. Yeah. Before we dig into all of that, though, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and share a little bit about your path to doing what you do now. Okay. Um, I am a copywriter and brand strategist for small business and entrepreneurs. Um, <laughs> the path for many, for many copywriters, I find the path to get to where I am doing what I'm doing is weird and meandering. Um, but when I first started writing, it was for pretty much like content mills where, you know, they kind of farm out articles and you write them and you get paid very, very little. And when I discovered that it was something that you could actually get paid well for when you're good at what you do. I sort of kept that in my mind. I thought about it. I sort of dipped my toe in several times. This actually ties into our conversation today because I have health struggles that get in the way a lot. So this is something I picked up and put down multiple times until I dove in full time um, because I was just too, too sick to be able to do it. And then uh, when I sort of really dove into writing was when I was... I have a lot of contacts in real estate. My mom is a real estate agent. And she was like, Hey, can you write me a bio real quick for work? And I did. And everyone in her office went bananas. And they were like, Can I... Can you write one for me? And I was like, Oh, is that so that's something that people would want. <laughs> and then the next thing I knew, I had people asking me for resumes. So I spent quite a lot of time doing like bios, resumes, that spun into more work for real estate. Specifically, I would write their property descriptions, you know, like when you go to Zillow or whatever, and you read the description of the property. Um, I did. Mm-hmm. And then and that's how it sort of went into web copy. But because so much of my I started doing sort of that real foundational um, writing, you know, someone gives you a resume and they're like, can you help please? And it's like eight pages of, (laughs) you know, jobs (laughs) going back to their high school jobs, maybe with every single duty and task written on it. You know, I had to come up with a way to make that into basically a one page picture of their real contributions as an employee, where their strengths are, how they shine, what kind of position they're best suited for, what are their strengths, you know, Um, and condense their accomplishments into little, I feel like that's how I sort of made my way into brand messaging because Mm. it's similar. You, you have conversations with business owners um, and you, you try to kind of dig and dig and ask questions to, to get to really the heart of, of who they are and what that business is and what that brand is meant to be. And you make it into one good, concise narrative message. And that is, what I do. And so the strategy part, you know, for for brand messaging, brand voice, developing that that system, I have a framework that's sort of focused on uh, purpose, leading with purpose. So, you know, what is this business for and about, and then finding ways to pull that through the strategy can be for messaging, but also for the business as a whole. So how does that purpose show up in your offers, you know, in your, your partnerships and your outreach, and then on all the way down to voice and, and the way that we talk about it and how we talk about that in your messaging. Um, so typically the copy work that I do is foundational messaging like web copy or emails of the nurture varieties, welcome sequences, newsletters, things like that. Hmm. Love it. Love that path too. It's so interesting that in so many ways, like 
you know, resumes, for example, or about pages for real estate agents or about branding people, branding yourself as a person, like kind of condensing what you're all about into one page, which is so hard to do, but it's a very similar process that we have to do for our businesses. Like of everything we know as business owners about our businesses, about like how we make our products, about how, you know, our origin story, like all of the things we know, how do we condense that into something where we're like really putting the best foot, the most important foot forward in terms of who we are and what our brand is all about. So that's that's an interesting parallel. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would love to just um, already go go rogue on our questions here. And I'm curious, one of the things that I know so many small businesses and people in general struggle with is this idea of like, what is your purpose? And like you say, what is your beyond profit purpose of your business? What are some of the ways that you help people uncover that? Because it feels like such a like kind of like a hefty, you know, like, what is my purpose? Like, it's it's, it's a big topic. So how do you approach figuring that out for anyone who doesn't feel like they have a clear answer to that? Yeah, it it's really requires kind of a lot of self-reflection. I have um, questions that I use as kind of prompts. And um, so really, it's getting clear on your own unique perspective and how you want to make people feel and how you show up for them every day. I think you sort of need to get to the heart of that. So why did you start that business? What do you want from it? Why do you think what you're doing is important? What are you good at? What do you really want to be known for? What bugs you in your industry? And what are you doing to sort of change that? You know, it doesn't have to be... I think something that is clear is is commonly what I would consider a misconception is that your purpose needs to be some really big, you know, fancy or important thing, you know, social justice related, it doesn't have to be it can be, you know, I just want to make art that makes the world a more beautiful place, or I want to help women achieve financial independence, or I want to promote children's literacy, you know, there, these things are all great, and big in their own ways, it doesn't need to be complicated, you know. So Mm -hmm. I usually just kind of start asking questions because a lot of times, and I mean, honestly, as I said, I worked with a lot of real estate agents, especially early in my career. I could not tell you how many times I sat down with someone and I'm like, what is your purpose? You know, what are you out here to do? And it's like to make money. Well, sure. But I bet there's more to it than that. And truly, if you ask the right questions and you just kind of talk long enough, you come to it. And it's... Mm -hmm really a pretty incredible transformation that takes place because you'll see that sort of light bulb moment. That's like, Oh, wow. And then you can really structure what, where you go from there. So if I'm working with an agent and she really loves uh, working with first time home buyers and getting people into housing that thought maybe they could never be homeowners. Um, that is a huge light bulb moment for her. Now that's her, that can be her specialty and she can have, you know, workshops about that. She could create courses about that. She can have resources that are specifically tailored for that thing that helps her stand out in her industry. And she's getting to do the thing that she really loves to do that really moves people forward in that way that, um, you know, makes her different from the other people. And obviously, real estate is a particularly saturated market. So everyone's perspective is unique. Um, It is important and it counts. This is actually an affirmation I like to tell myself a lot when I really Mm. need a confidence boost, because I think it's easy to forget that when we are marketing and we're trying to figure out how to be different and sound different. Um, What matters to you and why it matters to you are 
those are unique to you really when when you take everything together between you know your voice and your um your offer and your purpose all of those things come together to to craft something really unique to you mm-hmm. and so that's pretty much that's really my approach to that Mm, yeah, great answer. And I love the examples about like, particularly those of us in crowded niches, like the the specificity, the more specific you can get about, you know, the impact you want to make, how you want things to be different as a result of your business, the better and like the more clarity that's going to lend you. So great yeah. answer. And thanks for letting me go a little rogue right off the bat. Um, <laughs> back to what we were kind of primarily going to be talking about today, which is how to pick yourself up and dust yourself off after life gets in the way. I know this is something you've already alluded to as we've talked so far, something that's a personal topic for you. Can you share a little bit about how life has gotten in the way for you? Um, and then we'll move on to some of the, the ways that you've combated that, that issue. Um, yeah. So one of the biggest ways that is constantly relevant in my life is I have chronic illness. I have Crohn's disease, which is an autoimmune disease of the GI tract. And um, it it's something that's treated both with drugs and also with surgery. So it's a little bit of... Um, you know, how you do from day to day and month to month and year to year can really fluctuate a lot with an illness like this. And it's partly why it's great for me to work for myself as an entrepreneur. Um, but it's also challenging in that way. I've, I've done this. I've had this disease a long time. I've worked traditional jobs with it and I've worked for myself with it. And they are both, they both present their own challenges. And for me, it is something that can get in the way often. I mean, for example, last summer. So I typically like many of us, there's a summer slump that comes with my industry. And so usually when like the kid goes back to school, my husband is also an educator. So they're both home for the summer. When they both go back to school, and I sort of have I feel like I have my life back business is picking back up, people are ready to go with projects. I'm like, I'm raring to go. It also always seems like everything falls apart in the month of August. (laughs) In some way I can't explain. And last August, (laughs) um, I was given the news that I needed a surgery that I wasn't anticipating happening right then. And Mm. it was something that we knew that I was going to need, but you try to buy as much time as you can. It's not, you're not really trying to avoid it. You know, it's going to come, but you want to, the strategy is to really just buy yourself time. And so I got surprise news that I was going to have to have the surgery now. And furthermore, all the testing that I had to go through to get that answer also put me into I, I experienced a lot of brain fog sometimes after having anesthesia or things like that. And so I spent the next months struggling with, you know, a flare and brain fog from the testing that I went through and also dreading and preparing for that surgery and then recovering from that surgery. You know, it was a lot for my life. And it was a big step back when I felt like I was just getting ready to to take off. And I had laid a lot of groundwork and I was like raring to go. And so that was a big step back. And then, you know, this year, it, it's not any different. <laughs> Another round of testing, more issues from that. Then I lost two pets back to back. For the mm. last month, my uh, house has been, uh, there was someone else in my family recovering from surgery. I've had a really horrible virus in my house that I've been uh, caretaking for. So, you know, I mean, some of these things are my life as a sick person. And some of these things are just life, right? Life happens. It's unavoidable. And so at this point, I feel fairly well-versed in the act of 
kind of getting up and figuring out a way to keep moving forward when it can feel really discouraging when you've you've done a lot of work, your business is going great, everything is really wonderful. And then, you know, sometimes just the fact is that life doesn't give us choices. And we're handed something Mm -hmm. that we may or may not be prepared for that we don't feel like dealing with right now. And if you want to keep your business moving, um, it takes, I think, a lot of reflection on how that's going to work for you. And so that is something that I have to work on all the time. Yeah. Well, I think it's such an important conversation to have because so much of the, whether it's marketing advice or productivity advice or whatever out there kind of assumes like you have an empty calendar and no complicated situations in your life and like no chronic illness and a lot of times like no family or no kids that depend on you. So Mm -hmm. it's so important to like acknowledge that we're not all a we're not all starting from the same place and like most of us probably have something that we're working around at least in some points in our businesses so I think it's I I'm really glad to be having this conversation with you because it's not um first of all like thank you for opening up about your own life and situation because I think it's helpful to hear that probably a lot of folks listening can relate in some way So let's dig into some of the ways that you approach this. Like, how do you keep your business running when you know that you're going to continue to have things pop up outside of your control and outside of what you kind of planned for or expected? What are some of the strategies that you use to keep things running when when life comes up? So a lot of things rely on routine. It really depends on how well I'm doing or how really not well I'm doing. If I am really just trying to claw my way back and I'm dealing with, as I mentioned, you know, a lot of brain fog and maybe I'm not going to be at my best for a lot of creative work, then one of my biggest focuses is trying to get that back. So that has also required a lot of internal work on how, how do I get my creativity flowing again? And I don't think that that's, that's only important to people who are creatives, like writers and artists and things. I think that's important to anyone. Um, even if you're, you know, a product based business, what is it that makes you inspired and kind of gets you moving? So I will really lean into those things. Um, I will, I, <laughs> I will write myself a sticky note when things are real tough that I have this like um, Mr. Rogers notepad and I have a little picture Mm -hmm. of Mr. Rogers that I will like tape to my monitor and I will just write on it. What do you need right now? Because I feel like if you were taking care of your child, you would do such a good job of that. But when you're trying to take care of yourself, when you just want to get back to work and you just want to do your thing and like get your business back on track, um, it's easy to not take care of yourself. And you certainly wouldn't take care of yourself the same way that you would for your child. And so I will really take it all the way back to like, what do I need right now? What would I do if this was my son sitting here having a hard time? I'd be like, do you need a snack? Do you need some water? Do you need to go for a walk? Like, do you need Mm -hmm. you know, and then I will look at that constantly through the day and just check in and be like, how am I doing? Do am I okay to keep going? Do I need to take a break? Like, do I need a peanut butter? What do I need to do to keep moving forward? That's such a great, I just want to stop you and say like that, the examples that you just gave are so simple. Like, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you need to go for a walk for 10 minutes? Like they're so basic that it's easy to just overlook and be like, like feel like the solution is somehow more complex. But I had this, I had this exact thing happen yesterday. I was working my butt off like all morning 
And all of a sudden I was like dizzy and tired and literally had to take off from, I think it was like 2 PM onward. I like just was in bed and I finally went downstairs and ate something at one point. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) I was like really, really hungry because I didn't eat. And so it's (laughs) the solution is actually like not very complicated. Um, although, you know, I know we'll talk about some other things too, but I just want to point that out that like, sometimes what you need isn't like a bubble bath filled with like expensive products. It's like, you need to make sure like you had a snack or you have a a water bottle next to you. So I just want to point that out. A hundred percent. And I mean, for me, this is, I think the hardest part of my job, the very hardest part of my job. And I don't think, again, I don't think it's related to copywriting. I think it's just like being a business owner too, is managing my energy, specifically my creative energy, but all of it, you know? And so it's, it's exactly, it's an expansion of that same idea where it's like, how can I expect to have any kind of output if my input is not okay? So I cannot create if I'm all dried up and I'm not receiving anything that makes me feel inspired. Um, I cannot really function at all if I do not like physically, I cannot function if I am not also taking care of, you know, like, am I, am I moving enough? Right. That's another thing that's easy to let go when you are busy and you're trying to just sit at your desk and plow through some work. So like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm making time for yoga or a walk. I live in Houston. So it's really hot here. A lot of the time walks are not always <laughs> doable for like half of the year. That's not something you want to do in the middle of the day, but I can do yoga even if it's just 10 minutes, right. To help like my body function like a person should. Um, mm-hmm. And so I do, I have to, that is something that it's again, sounds simple and is easy to ignore, but has become a really huge part of my job is like really staying on top of my energy management and figuring out like what it is that I need at this time, whether this today in this moment, or just like this season of my life and in my business to help keep me going. Love. Yeah, I do a lot of, you know, really intentional goal setting. It's really important to to not overload myself and be really flexible with it. So you know, I sit down at the beginning of the quarter and I figure out all the things that I want to do. I have a system for that. I have frameworks for that. You know, I'm all excited at the beginning of the quarter to get going. And then, okay, something may happen. Whoops, you have surgery. (laughs) Whoops, like somebody else that you know does and you have to take, you know, like things happen that will derail me. And then it's like, how do I not be discouraged looking at this pile of stuff? It's okay. You just have to be kind of flexible with it. So I have intentional goals. And as long as I'm working towards sort of that big picture, I can let go of not being able to do everything now. If it means that I have to scoot some project to the next quarter, I've just had to learn to live with that and lower my expectations. So that's, you know, just honestly, lowered expectations is another really big part of this whole thing. Um, And again, I know that's something that we all sort of have to deal with at some time or another, but um, learning how to do that without guilt or shame or frustration is really an art. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this too. And I was recently chatting with someone about it who's, who thought that that was like a negative way to frame it. I think because the, the words I use is set a low bar basically so that you can like set yourself up to like oh, exceed yeah. it instead of fail. And I think there can be a connotation that, that that's, I don't know, that that's negative in some way, but I agree. I think it's positive to set yourself up to exceed your expectations and like you can always do more, but 
it's so hard when you start a day thinking you're going to get all these things done because you've like really overcommitted. And then you get to the end of the day, you didn't get anywhere near it. And you're just expected to like start again the next day with the same level of like excitement and enthusiasm. I think it's so much better to set your expectations lower so that you can actually meet them and then feel excited and have some momentum and move on. You're 100% right. If you really want to do this for the long haul, and you really want to, you know, get somewhere in your business, I really think that's essential. And actually, that leads me to, I have three questions that I ask myself every day. They're literally in front of my face. I plan my days on uh, and my weeks on Trello. And Mm -hmm. so I have little cards for each one of these questions. And they I move them from day to day, because I make myself think about them when I'm sitting down and making my plan for every day. Um, one of them is exactly that. I call it my Chanel rule of planning. I don't even know if this is real, but you know, um, Coco Chanel's been reported to say, you know, like if you really want to look chic and perfect when you walk out the door, like look at yourself in the mirror after you have finished getting ready and then take off something, like take off an accessory. Hmm. So I do that with my day. I sit down and I plan my day and I list all the things that I want to do. And then I take a second look and I'm like, all right, this is all the stuff I want to do. Is there anything I can lose? I mean, I will have my top three priorities that are non-negotiable. But when I start to list some of the other stuff, what what realistically can wait until tomorrow? I mean, as a person who doesn't really love to procrastinate and likes to do and accomplish and you know loves the list, it was not really natural for me to think that way. But it has helped me to do exactly what you just said, really just sort of... <laughs> lower my expectations and actually get through what I need. Cause I will over plan every time I will over plan mm-hmm. every time I will be too optimistic about what I can do in a day. And I'll be like, I want to do all of this stuff. And then, and then what I'm looking at a list of, of half undone things. Like I just don't want to live like that anymore. So mm-hmm. I just literally take something right off the beam and move it to tomorrow. And I have well, found that it really worked for me. Yeah. I love that you call it the Chanel rule. That's so I, cause I know that quote too. Um, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the other questions I actually got from your podcast, it was, I don't remember what, Oh, it was like the building a gentle business. Okay. So I want to make sure Ashley that yes. we'll link to that. Yes. Where she said, um, is it a high capacity day or a low capacity day? As I think how she put it. And that is what that has been. That was really, I remember stopping I was listening to this podcast and I stopped it and I went and wrote it down and I immediately added it to my board. I was like, that's a perfect way to say a thing that I know to be true for me. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not it's health related, right? It doesn't even have to be where I am as a person, as a human in a body today. It can be something completely different. Like if I'm, if I have a client call, if I have, you know, a discovery call with someone, I'll usually get really jazzed. Um, I'm not going to probably sit down and do great deep work after that. That's just not really how I operate. And so I have had, again, with energy management, how to learn what am I going to be useful for today, given what I have on my plate? And so maybe mm-hmm. that's going to be a better day for throwing myself into, you know, maybe more of my admin, maybe my content, because I'm excited, but like, I'm not going to be able to do client work at all that day. So I have to really, that's a, that has been really useful too, for me to add to my questions, because it's relevant for me every single day. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe my kid is homesick, that kind of thing. <laughs> Definitely plays in as I'm sure you know. And then also, 
where can I ask for help? I'm super bad at asking for mm. help. I don't, I, I write, I physically wrote that and put it in front of my face so that I will think of it every day because it's not really natural to me always to think to ask. So sometimes that's, you know, I, I'm avoiding a task. Why am I avoiding it? Well, maybe I don't have the knowledge to know how to do it. Maybe if it, it's a tech thing, that's not really my forte and I need to pull in some outside help for that. Maybe it's something I can literally be like, it's a personal task that I can offload to my husband. Maybe, you know, I just need to connect with my, my network and get some ideas or opinions because I'm feeling stuck. Like it just makes me think about it. Um, what I'm sort of putting off and how I can move forward if I ask someone for help. So those are those are my three questions that I ask myself every day that also sort of help me even when times are tough, um, help me always kind of keep moving forward. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> love those. I've written them down and I hope the other folks have too, because those are so great. And I agree, actually. I remember when Ashley said that on the podcast, like, is it the high capacity day or low capacity day? It's so and good. I was like, oh, yes. Thank I you didn't to her. immediately adopt it. But like, I did have that same moment of like, I do have higher days and lower days. And why not like build that into the way that I set myself up? So those yeah. are so great. Any other strategies that you use to make sure that you, you know, are able to keep your business going, even though you know that things are going to come up for you? So, you know, I I have a few more. There's something that I learned from my... Um, it's similar. It's a little bit similar to my questions, but it's a little bit different. It's kind of like if... If I can't get through everything that I would like to in a day, what's sort of the bare minimum that I can accomplish? And my mentors, mm -hmm. some of my mentors in my um, industry uh, introduced to me the uh, daily four. So it's like, that's another really helpful thing for me to fill out every morning when I'm sort of planning my time. And it can be big or it can be small, but better if it's small stuff. So, you know, what's one thing that you can do to move yourself forward personally. So maybe that's like, you know what, I'm it's a hard day, I'm gonna make sure that I get a nice lunch break where I actually sit down and take a break and read a book or whatever I need to do. Or maybe it's I need to do yoga or go for a walk or something. Um, so one thing that's uh, moves you forward professionally. That's something that's client facing. So what is something that I can do? Maybe I need to check in with somebody and see where they are on, you know, reviewing a draft or maybe it's like I can just send a card to a client or like plan a wrap gift or something like that. What's something that one thing that can move your career forward, something that's focused on you specifically. So that could be so many things, but just like going to a networking event or putting yourself out there, pitching yourself to, you know, a, a potential client or, you know, spending 30 minutes working on a new product you want to develop. And then one thing to move someone else forward. And this is really my favorite one because I don't think that we always think about that every day. But what is something that you can do for someone else? And especially I think when times are hard and you're really going through it, it is so much better to get yourself out of your head and think about other people. So I really like to have that integrated with my daily planning and thinking time so that I can be a little bit more cognizant of what I can do for somebody else. Those are awesome. Love. Yeah. The daily four. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we also had on our list to, to chat about a little bit is the idea of toxic positivity. Yeah. I would love to hear from you how 
maybe just for anyone who's not come across that term, like what is that? And how is that, how is it relevant to this conversation? So toxic positivity is really like a sole focus on the positive aspects of anything with a complete dismissal of any negative. Um, So that's kind of like, you know, oh, this is going to work out for the best. Like everything is fine. You just need to think positive. Like don't, you know, good vibes only, right? Minimizing feelings and doubts and really hiding the truth of the matter is what that really does. It's kind of, it really boils down to a need to be in control and avoiding uncertainty. And I feel like as entrepreneurs, we live in a, a world of a lot of toxic positivity, of positivity where we're valuing this just relentless optimism. We are literally sold the idea that we are the architects of our own fates and we can build anything we want if we just like make the right choices, think the right thoughts, right? Like have this kind of mindset, strategize, optimize, maximize everything. And, you know, to take risks as you do as a business owner and an entrepreneur, you have to have some measure of that. You know, uh, positivity is great. Optimism and joy are possible in hard circumstances. I am a person who experiences joy all the time. Like that is possible and important. But you know, you can't outrun or out strategize or outwork inevitable setbacks. You you can't. And so you have to be able to be honest with the reality of your situation and learn how to cope, to be a problem solver and to really build resilience because it takes that to have this going for you in the long term, I think. Yeah, so important. And I think it's really like the toxic positivity language and sort of just, I don't know, culture is, is really hard to hear if you are someone who's going through some of the harder stuff. Like, I think we can all be cognizant about the language that we use when we talk about how hard it is to build a business, like some of the stuff around just power through or, you know, I'm not articulating it that well, but I think it can be hard to hear if you are someone with like chronic illness or mental illness or like tough life circumstances. When you hear people kind of speaking from that toxic positive positivity lens about how easy it is or how it's just like do this and this and this consistently and you know, everything will be fine. Like it can be hard to hear that. So I think it's also something not only to in your own self talk to be aware of, but also in the language that you use and like the way that you, the way that you conduct yourself. It's true. You know, I had a conversation once I remember like coming back from a setback once I, I was uh, reaching out to someone in my industry that I'm friends with um, in Slack. And I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? We're catching up. And I'm just like, I'm ready to do whatever, you know, like, I wish I could work like the normal people work. I told her cause she like me has health issues. And, um, I also have a son with extra needs. So we, we have similar lives. And so I was telling her, you know, how things were going for me and what I was up to. And I, and I ended with that. I wish I could work like the normal people work. And she wrote back to me and she was like, Oh, she just kind of laughed me off. She's like, Oh, we'll never get to work like the normal people work. And for some reason, hearing it that said back to me that way, it really, it hurt. It was a little bit of, and I, she's so right. And it was so good for me to hear it so plainly because I, I realized how much I was wishing that all the time. Um, you know, secretly just sort of wishing that like, Oh, I wish that things would, could just always be going smoothly from course. That's not real life for anyone, but you know, that idea that 
you know, the comparisonitis between your progress and somebody else's progress when your life is just not the same as theirs. It's so useless. And uh, it was really helpful for me to hear that. And, you know, part of the thing is that, you know, if you're, if you're consuming all of this toxic positivity, you, you are really, that's what happens. You feel shame, you feel guilt, you can exhaust yourself, you know, and I think it really can stall real growth because you sort of miss the opportunity to dig deeper and like get those good insights that help you do the next right thing for you and your business. So, you know, um, for example, it's like, all right, I'm never going to work like the normal people work. I should I should probably think about what that means. So what what do I need to do differently now? So I will, you know, think about my offers. So I've I'm, and this is something that's still in the works, it's going to be in the works, but it's not going to be possible for me to run the business that I want only ever doing one-to-one services. So I have some things that are like audits and stuff like that. That's a little bit of a less time intensive way for me to help somebody and like get my hands on their business. I'm also st- uh, working on some new services for um, like consultations. I have something in the works called Pathfinder Sessions where people can get on a call with me and we can just spend 90 minutes sort of talking about their business and I can maybe explore some new ideas, help them maybe find some new directions so that they can kind of go back and feel excited and, and come up with some new things. Um, there's stuff like that that I'm working on. I know that in the future, I would like to offer some products, you know, things like that. There's the, Those are the kind of things that I, wouldn't have occurred to me if I was always just trying to work like everyone else. And so I think I, I've read this attitude before as um, tragic optimism, where we are looking for meaning in the things that happen. And so... You know, I think that there's something to that. That's why my reflection time, my planning time is really important. If I've ever tried to skip that in my business or like, I don't have time to do all of my pressure plan, I will regret it every time because I need the time to reflect. I need the time every week. I need it every month. I need it every quarter um, built in because I constantly sort of need to check in and see like, where is my life right now? How am I right now? Um, How can I keep myself moving forward uh, realistically? And I mean, that has been really essential to to my business still being alive several years mm-hmm. at this point. Well, I think that's such an important takeaway is so few of us actually do that. Like take the time to sit down and just check in with ourselves. Like, how's this feeling? How am I doing? What's working? What's not working? Like, what do I want to think about shifting? It's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day tasks and, um, you know, to-do lists and just what feels like fires on the daily basis. And it's very easy not to ever spend that time reflecting and thinking and, you know, planning a better way. So I think that's so important. Um, do you have tips on like, what kind of cadence do you do that at? Do you set it in your calendar once a month or how do you build that into your schedule? Um, I spend Monday mornings on it. That is my most regular time for it. So Monday mornings, I sit down at my desk and I kind of plan my week. I'm always just sort of checking backwards. So when I plan my month, I'm looking at my quarterly goals. When I'm planning my weeks, I'm looking at my monthly goals, right? And so when I sit down week to week, I just sort of check in, where am I? What am I doing? And then I, after I've sort of 
like brain dumped all of my tasks and must do's and all of that sort of stuff. Um, that's when I really sort of let the dream time take over. If I think of something, if something pops in my head, as it will do, I'm listening to a great podcast, or I'm just on a walk one day, you know, something will pop in your head, like this would make a really great, you know, freebie for my people, whatever, I write it down. And then I will come back to that at this time. So I just sort of go to my repository of ideas, and spend a little time dreaming and thinking about what feels good, what I think would serve people now that's realistically something that I can do and how, you know, sort of the impact effort matrix, like, is this something that I can do soon? Or is that something I should put on the table for next quarter, which is often what happens. I have just kind of a running list of big projects that I think I need to accomplish. And then I'll plan it for the next quarter when I'm sort of sitting down to think about what I want to tackle at that time. And, you know, it should be noted that the capacity for that changes too. Like, Typically, Mm -hmm. if I'm telling someone how I think you should structure your quarters, it's like pick a maximum of three major projects right, to work on that you can break down this way and this way and this way. A lot of times I know better. And I'm like, yep, this is going to be a quarter where I'm only going to do two things. Or maybe even less. uh, If it's a time where I'm heavily into... There's a lot of client work going on. And it's summertime. And my people are here. And I know I'm going to be distracted. You know, even less. And 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 this just kind of ties back to what we were saying before. Sometimes you just have to know that you're not going to be able to get to something as quickly as you might like. But it's never you always have another chance that will come around again. This is another one of those things just like in marketing. I know you know what I mean, where it's a little Mm -hmm. bit like that urgency where it's like, it has to be, it's now or never. It's now where you don't care about your business. You know, like don't miss this opportunity, right? Um, I don't believe that's true for literally anything. If there's a product that you want to develop, if there's a service you want to offer, if there's a mastermind or, you know, a coaching service or something that you really want to pursue right now, but it's not the right time, the chance for that will come around again. And I think that we don't really say that enough. But it's a no right now doesn't mean never. It just means Mm -hmm. no right now. So it's important to make that time to dream and to think, but it doesn't mean that we're going to give ourselves, you know, squirrel syndrome where we're like, Oh, a shiny object, I, I need to go. No, we're gonna <laughs> intentionally plan when we might come back to that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such an important reminder, because it's very easy to get swayed by very talented marketers who, who want us to take action immediately, but it's not the right time all the time. No. So yeah, yeah. Um, one final thing I wanted to check in with you on before we start to transition to some of the questions that I get to ask all of the guests on this podcast is about the idea of moving from task mastery to a more holistic approach to productivity. What, what do you mean by this and what advice do you have for us? So as I was saying before, I'm the gal who loves a list. I love a big checklist. I love to just check stuff off and feel so good and productive. But um, what it took was I had for a while, I had this planner that came with like a built in checklist. And it was kind of like just life stuff, house stuff, whatever. And it was like there's stuff in the morning and there's stuff in the afternoon. And like, here's your big list. Well, I mean, number one, I feel like it was geared toward maybe people who aren't 
full-time working. Um, so that was just never going to really work for me. <laughs> it was like a thousand things that I can't possibly get to in a day. But also I noticed not only for myself, I don't really want to, I don't know how much I can really share about this, but there's also a group, like a Facebook group that comes with this planner. I noticed how much like, people were disappointed and ashamed and just like feeling like crap about themselves at the end of the day when they hadn't gotten through all the lists. And that's not even on top of just like your regular things that you need to, you know, your whatever other things that you need to do in a day to go through Mm -hmm. life and how much, you know, shame that they were carrying for not, for not getting through all of the things on the list. And I thought, wow, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to set myself up that way. I need to get away from this. And at that time, I moved into the monk manual, which is my number one very favorite thing on this planet. I really need to be. I'm not an affiliate, but I need to be because I talk about them all the time. (laughs) Okay, monk manual. Yes. So the monk manual is... It's kind of like... um, a combo between a journal and a planner. It helps you set really intentional planning for all the time. So their mantra is kind of like doing plus being. So you're doing goals, but then also you're being goals. And this is really that holistic view that I talk about with business. When, when, When we are business owners, I really think our lives and our personal goals and our business and our business goals are so intertwined. They really depend on one another. And so I don't think that you can, you know, balance. I don't know how much that really exists between work and life, but harmony can. And for me, part of that Mm. is making sure that I am prioritizing both things equally. And I'm being really cautious with what that looks like for me. So with what I'm taking on, um, with not neglecting one thing for the other, they're married together. And so my month manual really serves as sort of my my guidepost for how I move through all of the thing, all the things together. It's not separate from my it's not like a separate planner for my personal life. They're together because they are together because they go together. And um so that's really helped me significantly. I like to call myself a recovering perfectionist and overachiever. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I have actually recovered, but I try, <laughs> I really try. Work in progress. <laughs> always a work in progress. And this has been really big for me. I keep my lists minimal. I don't try to go crazy with, you know, like I don't want to feel good at the end of the day for having like checked a thousand things off a list. I want to really, if the monk manual forces you to reflect at the end of the day on like when you were at your best, that was really life changing for me because I noticed that like some of the things were not tangible things that I crossed off of a list today. It was like I put myself out there in a way that made me feel uncomfortable. That was me at my best because I pushed myself mm. outside of my comfort zone because I needed to. And, you know, I handled a moment with my kid that was really difficult and I did it well. You know, like I didn't yell mm-hmm. at him when I felt like I wanted to or I, I had a good parenting moment, whatever. Um, those are some what less visible ways that we do really good things in a given day. And I think it's super important to acknowledge that and to prioritize that sort of lens when we're reflecting on what we've accomplished in a day rather than just looking at a list of stuff. I mean, I still love my list, but I I have learned to care less about what's on it and what's crossed off of it than really looking at who I was and how I did, how I made people feel, And whether I did, if I did something to move forward, you know, that daily four we were talking about, if I did something to move myself forward, like that's good enough today. Mm -hmm. 
So good. I am intrigued by the monk manual. We will absolutely link that in the show notes. Okay, so we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I would love to hear how do you approach doing good through your small business? Well, I am heavily focused on my purpose of helping business owners really flourish. So I'm a copywriter um, and I'm a brand strategist, but my approach to my work is meant to help people experience really joyful growth in their business and build a business that they love. So that's what I try to bring to the projects that I do. And what I really love about it, there's something about gaining that clarity in your message that just really lights people up. It builds confidence. You know, I've seen it help Mm -hmm. them make bigger plans and forward their own purposes, right? Like, oh, I get it. I know who I'm for. I know really sort of that deeper benefit. You know, it's it's just really common for people come to me and they say like, I know that I do such and such really well, but I just really have trouble putting my finger on it. I can't, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to talk about it. You know, when they finally are handed that sort of, when they are armed with that message and they have clarity on like, oh, this is how I'm helping people. This is how I'm doing good. That's really satisfying for me. And I feel like I'm helping like more people go out and do things for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big ripple effects. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be one small business that you admire? Here in Houston, we have the Blue Willow Bookshop, which is a, an independently owned bookstore. It is just the thing of dreams. It's so cute. Oh. It has just wonderful human people working there. It's that place where you can go and be like, Hey, I'm looking for something for, you know, this friend or for my kid. And this is what they're into. And just not even know, like, you know, in, in a time before you went on the internet to like dig down a bunch of listicles about book recs, you could go to people and be like, I don't know what I want. Like, why don't you guide mm-hmm. me to something? And, and they just, they know their books. They're wonderful at it. It's just like, it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, but in addition to that, they are really also that idyllic kind of cultural hub. They have tons of events. They have signings. They have book clubs. They are also really, they emphasize um, local authors. They mm-hmm. also are huge advocates for all kinds of really wonderful things. They're definitely on the front lines of our fight for the right to read here in Texas. We have quite a lot of book banning in our schools and in our libraries, and they are really actively fight against that. They mm-hmm. really promote tons of great anti-racist resources. They're just great, wonderful people. And on top of that, I just really love their business model. They have subscriptions. Um, you know, services. So it's like, how do you survive anymore as an independent bookstore? It's tough. And so I just kind of like to see just the things that they're doing business wise. I think it's smart. It's really cool. They have a, they have a teen advisory board from local teenagers to give them like recommendations for young adult books for their YA subscription. I think that's brilliant. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about getting to know your ideal customer. Awesome. so smart. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We will for sure link to them. Um, what about a book that you would recommend? I really love the book Done by Noon by Dave Rule. I don't know if that's one you've talked about on no. podcast. Oh my gosh. You have been. I'm really excited to tell you about it. Okay. Almost, almost anything that I know about how to like structure my days and my times and my quarters and the stuff I can take on comes from this book. It was such it offered me such a great framework. It's not one of those like it's not a four hour work work week kind of thing. It's just like how 
really it's about how to be productive, how to prioritize stuff, how to not take on too much. And it also, there's a really great visual in there that where he helps you break down how much it actually costs you to do things that are outside of like your own zone of genius. Mm. So Mm -hmm. like how much does it actually cost you to do your own bookkeeping versus like just paying maybe somebody else to do that for you. Um, that kind of thing. It was really, really great. Like I think any anybody who's in business for themselves should read that book. It's my number one. I give it. I give it as gifts to people all the time. Like I love it. Amazing. I am always so excited to get a recommendation that I haven't read or in this case even heard of. So thank you for that. We will link to it for sure. And you know, possibly it'll end up on making a book club because we're 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 looking for new books. So great, great recommendation. Yeah. Michelle, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I would love for you to share with my audience where folks can connect with you, where they can learn more about your work, where they can find you online, all of the things. So you can find me at uh, www.michellesimons.com. You can sign up for my email. That's really where I prefer to hang out. You can also find me on Instagram at michelle.r.simons. I... <laughs> I try. I try with Instagram. I am doing better about showing up more there. I don't post my feed too much, but I try to stay more active in my stories. It's like a place that I like to be, but I just for 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 sharing things, for sharing like my favorite kind of tips and tools and stories, really where I like to do that is email. But yeah, you can find me there. Excellent. Thank you so much, Michelle. Everyone, absolutely go check out Michelle. Um, We haven't gone too much into her expertise in in copywriting and marketing. So definitely go subscribe to her email, check out our website, all that good stuff to dig into that. But Michelle, thank you for having this conversation with me. I'm, I'm really excited to share this with everyone and to just let everyone know that like life does come up for us all in different ways and it's smart to plan for it and to expect it and to kind of give ourselves a little bit of a break. So thank you so much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. I want to give a huge thanks to Michelle for being so candid and vulnerable during our conversation and for everything that she shared. Talking about the tougher things in life can be challenging, even with those closest to you. So I am so honored that she was willing to open up to me and our community of listeners. I really, really loved this conversation. You can learn more about Michelle and her work and find links to all the recommendations mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 220. I would love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening to this episode and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. Share what you thought and what really connected with you. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are two ways that you can give back to making good. First, I would be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. And second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 220. This episode was produced and edited by Corinne Monaco. Thanks for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next